Well, I have a couple of stories to tell you, if that's okay. Um, my wife, my sweetheart, and I were communicating back and forth. We both have iPhones, and so we were texting, and um, she, um, she was praying for the service, and she was praying for me, and she was praying that she was... You know, in, in an iPhone, you, you speak and it types it out for you. Well, you have to read those things before you send them. I don't know if you know that. But she was uh, praying that uh, the anoint I would have the anointing, and it came out uh, that I would be annoying. And so if I'm annoying you this morning, my wife's prayers are being answered. So thank you, Jesus. Um, I think I told you uh, we have some testimonies for healing. I'm going to save Tracy's for the last, but um, I think I told you this story, but it bears repeating. Uh, I saw this individual um, just a couple of days ago, and he, uh, we were talking about a healing that, uh, that he'd received. He's, uh, I don't know, several years older than I am, and... Um, you know, when you get to be my age, they check your prostate, you know, numbers. And so his numbers were high. They were on the border of being too high. And so he, uh, he said what he started doing was every morning he would say, prostate, I have good news for you. You're healed, you're whole, you're healthy. Amen. Every day. Say every day. Well, when he went back to the doctors, the doctor couldn't, couldn't explain it, but his numbers were on the low end, which is good. Say good. So there is something uh, to the words of our mouth. You know, um, I, um, you know, I've told you uh, maybe a week ago or so, whenever I did it, um, my health reports that I, I get, uh, I get a reports every year from the VA. I have my blood work done, and they do my numbers and that sort of thing. And um, so anyway, the numbers were just really good. And the last time she said, man, everything looks good. And so then I had an eye appointment this last week. And so I went in for the eye appointment, and the dot and the optometrist saying, man, this is, this is really good. I said, what? She said, your, your vision has not, has not gone down at all, hardly. You know, for years, they do not change my prescription. Now, I'd like to get it to where I didn't have to have glasses. But bless God, I'll take this for right now. And then I started thinking this morning, I, because I, I have confessions I go over. Say confessions. I have confessions I go over. And I thought about this, this other individual's uh, talking to his prostate. Well, this is what I confess over myself. Not every day, but often. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I forbid any sickness or disease to come upon this body. Every diseased German virus that touches my body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. Every organ and every tissue of my body functions in the perfection to which God created it to function. And I forbid any malfunction in my body in the name of Jesus. Yes. Now that's a good word. 
And, you know, and I, I try to take care of myself and, you know, do, do the right things. But I also believe that the Word of God has strong effect. Would you like, would you like to have your body recover? I believe that you can reverse your biological time clock. Hallelujah. You can't reverse your chronological. I know some ladies do, but uh, they're still 38. 28. But uh, I believe you can reverse that chronologic, or not the, the biological clock. And I believe that uh, I believe that staying with the Lord, you know, is a big help, Amen. and saying the right things, speaking to your body. The Scripture says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen. So, uh, so much for my faith message, but uh, it's very powerful. And uh, I want to tell you another story. This is a story. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, I was, uh, I've got this thing on my wrist. It's called a Fitbit. And uh, it tells me how many steps I make in a day. I tell how, how much water and all that. It's just a thing to kind of help you keep healthy. And uh, so anyway, I decided I'm going to walk up the mountain behind my house. There's Barry's Mountain. And I walk up to the gap, you know, the low part. But anyway, I had uh, I was uh, I was walking, and you know, guys, we have goals. Most of us have goals, and in those goals, we want to win. So anyway, I haven't done this for a while. I haven't walked up to the top of the mountain for a while, so I thought I'm just going to do it. So I think I was overdressed for one thing, even though it was like 28 degrees, and. Um, so as I got to the top, I started to get in a little disoriented. And I was getting a little bit um, losing my, my balance. I was like <laughs> doing this, you know. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I can make it to the top. I've got to make it to the top. I don't know about you, but that's just me. <laughs> you know, most people with brains would have gone back or sat down. But, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm going to... And then I remembered I had a bottle of water in my pocket. And I took that bottle out and I just started sipping it, you know. And after a while, you know, I just kind of refreshed and then finished going up to the top. I made my goal. And then my Fitbit told me by the end of the night, I'd climbed 87 flights of stairs. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> now, there's a spirit. Uh, there's a reason I told you that story, because I think a lot of us, we go through, you know, we we feed ourselves naturally. We we hydrate ourselves naturally. We do a lot of things in the natural, but sometimes we neglect things in the spirit and we become disoriented. We become weak. We become off balance. You know, even Paul uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Timothy said that, you know, in the last days, people would believe doctrines of demons. There are doctrines of demons out there that we, you know, and sometimes you can get them on CNN. 
Just a thought. There's doctrines of demons. There, you know, there are, and I'm not, but there's doctrines of demons that have been tried to be put off on the church. I wish I'd have wore my jersey. <laughs> Go Saints. Anyway, next year. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we get, you know, we start to neglect some things. It might be the word. It might be uh, communion. It could even be fellowship. Some people just uh, cut off fellowship. Me and Jesus. Well, that's a nice little saying, but if you read through the New Testament, it talks about community. You know, uh, our Father. Didn't say my, he didn't say when you pray, say, my Father which art in heaven. It is our Father who art in heaven. And really when we talk about, now we are individually the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we also collectively are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I remember we were, uh, we had taken, uh, if you get in a huge crowd where there is faith, people with little faith get miracles. I remember uh, my aunt was really bad with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, just constant pain, could hardly move. And my wife and uh, I forget somebody else took her down to a Kenneth Hagen camp meeting. It was 14,000 people there. And she was in that meeting and she got healed. I don't think she was prayed for. I think she was just in the atmosphere of faith. And that's what I want to talk about, creating not just an atmosphere of faith in the church, but creating an atmosphere of faith in our community. Do you know, we, what, what we say can either open the door for the enemy or open the door for the angels of God in our community. It opens the door. You know, have you ever gone in somebody's, it might even, you might even, I've experienced it at my house. But you can go into an atmosphere and cut the atmosphere with a knife. It's really heavy. Not in a good way. But then you can go in somebody's house and you can just feel the love. Or you can feel the atmosphere of joy. You can feel a positive presence. Do you know those things don't happen by accident? Those things are created. They're created by by our, by our lives, mainly by our words. And so, you know, uh, there's a couple of things I like. Now, I'm not asking for gifts. But I like hats. I like to buy hats. You know, I like to buy hats. And, you know, I might buy them and not wear them. When we were on our cruise, I bought a I was really impressed with a place called Bar Harbor. So I bought a hat. You know, a Bar Harbor hat. I rarely ever wear it because nobody, what's, and the way they say it is Bahaba. <laughs> In Massachusetts, Bahaba. Bar, but we call it, the, the English people, the American people call it Bar Harbor. <laughs> well, well, whatever. You can correct me later. <laughs> but there's another thing. You know, I just, I just see things that catch my eye. So don't go out and buy me hats because I might not like it. So I like, to, <laughs> I like to buy my things. But anyway, I like cups, mugs. I bought myself a mug. This is not coffee, so don't. Uh, 
it's Irish coffee. <laughs> anyway, it, but I'll have to turn around and hold it with my left hand. It says, pray big. Pray big. I think a lot of times we, we allow things to happen because we're not praying big. Another, uh, another way I would put it is praying much. Praying much. So I got another prop here, but I'll save it for later. <clears throat> I believe that we as a church, not just giving light, but the church as a whole, we can control the atmosphere of our nation. It's no, uh, unless you stick your hand, uh, head in the sand, it's obvious that the, uh, there is tension, division within our country. I'm really uh, excited because God has already prophetically declared some things he's going to do. Hallelujah. I mean, there were prophetic words. My, my liberal people ain't going to like this, but. But there were prophetic words that were spoken about this time like, like eight years ago. And those words have come to pass. Kim Clement, if you're familiar with Marty Layton from CI had a prophetic word, and he said, God, this cannot be right. This cannot be right. And it turned out. Hallelujah. But I believe, you know, that we can either put our head in the sand, we can live in fear, or we can be active and do something about it. I remember Kenneth Hagin years ago. Maybe some of you don't uh, remember this, but how many of you remember or have ever heard of Watergate? You've heard of Watergate. That was nothing compared to what, you know, what some other people have done, but Watergate. And I remember him telling us one time, he said, the Lord is not going to hold the politicians accountable for that. He said, the Lord's going to hold the church accountable for that because they did not pray. So, wow. I believe that we should not be silent. I believe that we should not be idle. I believe that we should not just say, well, that case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. I believe we have to be like Joshua and rise up in the name of Jesus and be bold and be strong and be courageous and do what we have to do in the spirit and in the natural if necessary. Amen. Come on now. So uh, my message, sermon, whatever you want to call it, is called pray big or pray much. But the first thing I've got to I've got to deal with is some people's attitude about themselves. They don't feel like their prayers amount to much. They don't think that God hears them. They have prayed for things and they say, well, God doesn't answer my prayer. The reality is, is there are no spiritual giants in the church that God hears above somebody else. He hears the prayers of the saints, not the New Orleans saints. Otherwise, they'd be in the Super Bowl. Anyway, <laughs> God hears the prayers. 
His chiefs would be in there too, but anyway. (laughs) He hears the prayers of the saints. So I want you to hear this. I'm speaking directly to you. Your prayers count. Your prayers matter. And if, and if you are prayerless, then you and I are allowing this junk to go on. You say, well, I wish the government would do something. The Lord, said, the Lord is saying to the church, I, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is not all flesh and blood. A lot of this is, is a spiritual climate that has been allowed. We have got to rise up, and I don't care what side you're on politically, but this, uh, this division is not good. And we have got to take back our country in the name of Jesus. We have got to, we have got to start speaking life to this nation. And your prayers matter. The Lord, again, is not looking for spiritual giants. You are it. Don't wait for the Calvary to come. You're the Calvary. Don't wait for the SEAL team to come. You're the SEAL team. You're God's SEAL team. I'm familiar with a with a uh, with a uh, account in the Old Testament. Uh, I think it was uh, Israel was surrounded by the enemy, and they were being uh, they were being starved to death, waiting. Wait, the enemy was just surrounding them. They were waiting for them to starve to death or, or come out. And there were four lepers. You know, the, the, uh, on the social level, where does the leper, you know, fit in? They are, they are at the very bottom. They are like the rubbish. They're like the trash. Stay away from me. But there's, uh, there's four lepers. They're sitting outside the wall. They're starting to discuss with each other. Well, if we... If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go inside, we're going to die. Well, let's just get up and go throw ourselves on the mercy of our enemies. Maybe they'll have mercy on us. Let us live and feed us. So God heard that as a prayer. God moved upon them by his spirit. They got, a, they got up off of their, <laughs> off of their uh, seats. <laughs> They got up off of their seats and they began to walk towards the camp of the enemy. And all of a sudden, God used their steps to amplify them. The enemy was hearing a major army come against them and they ran for their lives from four lepers. Bottom of the scale. You might think, well, you're on the bottom of the scale. Even if you're the cuticle on Jesus' little toe, you're still a part of the body of Christ. Just a thought. Your prayers matter. 
And it's time to get away from small prayers. It's time to get away from little thinking. We've got to believe God to be able to turn this thing around. And I, believe me, God can do it. There are times where America has been moved upon by revivals. You know, this is the first time we've had problems. Amen. This is not the first time we've had problems, and God sent revivals at times to turn things around. I remember uh, uh, an African-American church, they sang a song. I just loved it. Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. He's going to work in your favor. He's going to turn it around and around and around and around. Sounds good to me, doesn't it, Joyce? Hallelujah. God can turn it around, but he needs partnership with you and I. Thank you, Lord. I want to just... Uh, I want us to go to Revelation chapter 8. For those of you that have Bibles or electronic Bibles. If you have an electronic Bible, look for an app that sounds like pages are turning. Because we... <laughs> it would make me feel better. No, anyway. But God, God's plan is not just for a few people to put all the responsibility of prayer on. Because nowadays we have terms like, well, we have our intercessors. Intercessors pray. No, the saints pray. Yeah. You know, when Peter was in jail and Herod was going to kill him the next day, it was the church that prayed, not just the intercessors. Nothing against intercessors. I love intercessors. But the bottom line is God has not put the, the prayer, uh, prayer responsibility just on a few people. So in Revelation, and the reason I'm uh, reading this is because I want you to notice that God is taking, using the prayers of all believers. He says in Revelation uh, 8, verse 3, he says, Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. Notice it's plural. Prayer. Prayers. Not just one measly, well, I take that back. Not just one prayer, but prayers. Plural. You say, well, I prayed, nothing happened. Keep on praying in the name of Jesus. And I'm talking about, not, you know, there's a, there's a difference between praying for your individual needs and praying for a nation. You're going to have to pray more than one prayer to pray for a nation. Man, this sounds like a lot of work. It's worth it. Is our nation worth saving? Well, we can't just sit by and let it go. We've got to take our authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What do I pray? I'm going to get there. He goes on to say, he says, he offers it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar and before the, th and before the throne. And the smoke 
of the incense came, which came with the prayers of the saints. Notice he mentions it again. Saints, plural. He said, ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Verse 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it upon the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and earthquakes. In other words, what this is saying here is that your prayers are going to cause an effect upon the earth. Your prayers, sometimes when, when we might be praying for, for our nation, it not, might not happen overnight, but there are bowls in heaven, and when those bowls are filled, God sends his angel to get those bowls, and he mixes it with the coals of the altar, and he throws that incense down, and it causes positive effect in the name of Jesus. Say, so, well, earthquakes don't sound good to me. Not everything is physical. Sometimes those earthquakes, you know, how, how many of you know that God causes fear and trepidation in the spirit to angels and demons and principalities and powers that are causing havoc to a people? They cause havoc to individuals. They cause havoc to family. They cause havoc to, uh, to communities. And we can take authority over that in the name of Jesus in our prayers. I'm not saying you have to go run around yelling at demons. We're going to get there. Okay? Say so he's going to get there. Praise the Lord. I might even have time to finish. My team's not in the Super Bowl, so who cares? We'll go, we can go all day. Hallelujah. Got to make it light sometimes. You, I don't want you to leave. Ooh, that was heavy. Anyway, all believers in Jesus Christ are saints in the eyes of God. So in case you're thinking, well, I'm not a saint. You are a saint. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a saint of God. And there's no high saints, low saints, middle saints. We are all saints because it's not by what you do. It's by what Jesus does. It's by what Jesus done, has done for you. And uh, we get the word saint from the word sanctified. And sanctified means to be set apart for something holy. When you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he sets you apart. He pulls you out of the world. He anoints you. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. You're washed clean. You're made whole. And in the name of Jesus, you are a saint. Set apart for holy living. Set apart for a holy purpose. And one of those purposes is prayer. In 1 first, uh, first, uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, he says this. He says, know ye not that the, righteous, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. And such were some of you. You're not in the category anymore. Why? Because you've been sanctified. Yeah, pastor, but I still slip up. 
If you will honestly confess your sin, you are faithful and just to forgive. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So therefore, you are back in right standing with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus Christ has, God has given you such, God has given us such a good gift and we just don't even take advantage of it. You are saints. You have power in the name of Jesus. You are, you are special in the eyes of God. You have the power of God on the inside of you because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And, you know, you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and pray, pray these prayers and you can go ahead and sing these songs. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. But Jesus is already in you. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. He's already in you. He ain't passing you by. He's in there already. Come by here, my lady. Okay, that's okay. That gets your emotional response, but in the Spirit of God, God says, I'm already here. And I want to partner with you to bring my kingdom and my plan and my purpose to pass. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, but such worth, that's past tense. You're not that anymore. And if you are that, you can come up and we can get you out of that. Through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, you can be set free in the name of Jesus. He says, and such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified. Who did it? Jesus. And you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you, and He, God just doesn't do one little work in you. God is continually, continually, continually working on you, working with you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus, but how many of you know you still got a mind that needs to be renewed? How many of you know you still have habits or, or uh, let me say, patterns? You have patterns of living that need to be broken off and and made new by the power of by the power of his spirit. I remember reading a book one time. I think it was written by Andrew Murray. And there was just a revelation uh, to that book. It was a book about the blood of Jesus. And he says the blood of Jesus is even working while you're asleep. It is continually cleansing and cleansing and cleansing. And uh, my, my sweetheart, uh, she had that, uh, that message on, on the brain. And uh, do you know that she, she talks of, talked about these glial cells? Do you remember that? It's, it's like a Pac-Man that goes through. When you're sleeping, there's these little Pac-Man that go through your brain and break off all those old negative thoughts that you've, that you've neglected for a while. Hallelujah. It reminds me of the blood of Jesus. It is constantly renewing. It is constantly cleansing. The blood of Jesus is still fresh and alive because the blood of Jesus has been united with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus are ever united. 
Therefore, the blood can never lose its power. Never. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I'd just love to read the whole, uh, the whole passage from 17 on. But I do remember the one, one passage as well. The one is, of course, uh, there, um, you're, you're new creatures in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Okay. Now, the, now what I want, to, want you to get today is we're still talking about prayer, but you have to have a renewed mind to really be effective, I think. Because if you have an old mindset, you're going to see yourself as little and insignificant. You are not little and insignificant. Jesus sees you as a new creature. What is a new creature? It is a creature that is new in Christ. It is a creature that has the Spirit of God on it. Do you know you are more, you are, I, I, I say we're not, I'm not, well, I'm not saying we're God, okay? Turn to somebody and say, he's not saying I'm God. But I'm saying you are more you have you have the life of God, the power of God on the inside of you because God's on the inside of you. And we don't if we don't grasp a hold of that, we live on a lower level. Billy Graham preached a message that said the high cost of low living. But I want to say this, there is a high cost for low thinking. Because when we think low, we, we think small. When we think small, we pray small. When we think small, we do small. Because little o' me. Randy Clark has this sermon called Little O' Me. Because he had a small church in, uh, in St. Louis. But, but the Spirit of God moved on him. And he started praying for the sick. Actually, you've heard of Toronto, the Toronto revival. He's actually the one that God dumped it out when he was preaching. And he's gone all over the world ministering, healing, not only to individuals that get healed, but also raising up people that know how to pray for the sick. Actually, uh, Janine, she went to his school, and I mean, Janine's really powerful. But you know, you can be powerful too. Janine has raised her level of thinking, and we can raise our level of thinking. You say, well, pastor, I pay, prayed for people, and they didn't get better. I, pay, I prayed for people, and they died. But I made a decision. I wasn't going to quit. And bless God, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I have seen the miraculous. But man, if you want to quit, quit. You're just not going to see big stuff. You might, you might not see what you want to see right away, but don't quit. Don't quit. Thank you, Jesus. But in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, uh, well, let me, uh, yeah, the, the one scripture, he says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Now, I want to put this scripture with it also, 
that Jesus Christ is the Savior to the world, especially to those who believe. Now, I want to go back to that Corinthians. He says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How many of you still fretting over sins you've committed? God said, God didn't do it. God is not accusing you. There's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But let's think about it again. God was in Christ reconciling the world. How many see bad people in the world? How many see people doing things that they shouldn't be doing? How many of you like to do something about it? Besides, <laughs> besides some things. Spirit, let's do some spiritual things first. Anyway. God was in Christ reconciling the world. So what we see today, God has not counting their trespasses against them. Now, if they don't receive Jesus, that they forfeit it. Okay. But right now, God is not counting their trespasses against them. I want to make this, I want to, I want to make this easy on you. Because some of you think, oh man, I've got to pray for three hours. No, all you've got to do is pray without ceasing. And it's a lot easier than you think. But let's just go back. Oh man, I'm going to have to hurry. James chapter 5, verse 16. I'd love to read farther back, but... Because he, he, he says earlier in the chapter, he says, uh, are there any sick among you? Yeah, let him, let him call for the elders of the church and the prayer of faith. It's not the elders that save the church. It's not the anointing of the oil that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. And how many of you know that each one of us in this room can pray the prayer of faith? We can pray the prayer of faith. But then he goes on to say, in verse 16, he says, Confess your faults one to another, pray ye one for another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Oh, there you go, pastor. I don't make the grade. I'm not righteous. Yes, you are righteous. And if you say you're not righteous and you're in Christ, then you are calling God a liar. Shoot, I remember uh, when I first got into this, if you said you were righteous, you were like, blasphemy! Some of you don't, some of you just, you just have it easy. You know, if you spoke in tongues, you were of the devil. I remember my, my family, Melody and I got filled with this, Melody and I got filled with the spirit. And, uh, my, my sisters were saying, did you know that Stephen speaks in tongues? <laughs> well, hallelujah. Probably most of them are doing it now, too. A couple of them I led, in the, led into the baptism. Thank you, Jesus. But he said, so he says here that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And... Uh, 
and then he goes on to say, um, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Like passions. Any of you have passions? I got passions. You got passions. All God's children got passions. Some passion good, some passion not so good. I can't watch the news or otherwise I get too passionate. You know, I, you know, I, I wasn't always a Christian, wasn't always a pastor. So I have to, I, I can't, I can't be looking at it all the time in the name of Jesus. But I can't, so the scripture says that Elias was, or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. So what is he saying here? The same passions you have, Elijah had. Oh, he, but he was a prophet. No, he had the same passions like you. And God still hurt him. I mean, God had to get him out of a cave because he was running in fear. Any of you ever run in fear and hid? Well, you just, you just measured up to Elijah. But God still heard his prayer. Goes on to say, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from, from the truth, and one convert him, let, let him know that he that which converteth the sinner from the errors of his ways uh, say, shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. And I need to hurry up. I'd like to spend a little time with that. But I, I laid the foundation. How many of you get it now that your prayers matter? How many of you get it now that you need to pray big prayers? How many of you get it now that you need to pray often? You don't have to get on your knees. You can be driving down the road. I was praying for I was praying for homes as I was coming from my house. I was I was speaking peace and I was speaking blessing over those houses. And you know if God drops in a in a prophetic word then you speak that prophetic word over the houses. Do you want the atmosphere to change in this area then you have got to start praying. It's not it's not that difficult. Oh, I'm not a prayer. Well, you can be. I forgot. <laughs> Pray big. I have to keep track of my water, too. Because I'm supposed to drink 120 ounces. <laughs> so you don't want to overdo it, do you? So you got to keep track of it. Anyway. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to say this. You and I have the, have the authority control, to control the spiritual atmosphere around us and beyond. God has given you authority to tread upon serpents. Now, I'm not saying I'm not even talking about getting into spiritual warfare. I'm just saying that, you know, by your prayers, you can either... You can either invite the angelic or you can invite, invite the demonic. 
You say, oh, I'm afraid of demons. Well, then just start speaking blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's give you some scripture for that. How many of you like scripture to back up? I like, the, I like what Ken Egan used to say. He said, if you don't believe me, check the scriptures. He usually gave us enough, but... He says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 11, he says, and, and into whatsoever city or town you shall enter. So apparently they weren't even, they were visitors to the town. They were visitors to the area. He said, and whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who is worthy and there abide till you go thence or until you leave. And when you come into a house, salute it. Now, that's King James, but it would, another way would be of saying that would be greet it. But the really the best way of saying that is to bless it. Whenever you go into a house, whenever you go into a city, whenever you go into a community, bless it. Yeah, but they're bad people there. Well, you're not just blessing it for them's sake. You are destroying the strongholds of the demonic darkness powers. You don't have to know the name of every spirit. Just start speaking blessing. Thank you, Jesus. On that same walk I was telling you about yesterday, I was up on, I was coming down the mountain. <laughs> And there was a guy coming up. He looked to be about my age or a little older. And he had these little kids with him. And I said, God bless you. I said, uh, bringing your grandkids out on a walk. <laughs> and, he, and he smiled. And the daughter said, we're not his grandkids. And I gave him a double blessing. Well, I double bless you. See, when you, when you get to where you are starting, to where you get to where you're blessing things, and you get to where you're blessing people, it becomes natural for you to bless. Jesus said to bless and curse not. He says, salute it, bless it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. Now, don't you be the judge. He first blessed it first. He says, let your peace come upon it. How many, of you, how many of you carry peace with you? It's hard to give peace when you're not carrying it. It's hard to give money when you don't have it. It's hard to give a person a nice cup of coffee if you don't have it. You know, it's hard to give what you don't have. So if you have blessing, if you maintain blessing, if you maintain the joy of the Lord, what you have, what did Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'm going to give you. The dollar is not always the answer. There are deeper needs that can be met because of the spirit that's on the inside of us. He says, let your peace come upon it, but if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And I, I had a hard time figuring that out for a while. But in other words, if you get around people and you speak peace and they don't receive it and they're just as cantankerous as ever, don't you lose your peace. 
Maintain your peace. Maintain your joy. Maintain, maintain your love. Maintain what God has given you. Thank you, Jesus. So in other words, don't get fussed up over it. Anybody know what fussed up means? Don't get fussed up over it if they don't receive it. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't have anxiety over it because they don't receive your peace or they don't receive your love. Don't let it bother you. Hallelujah. I just thought of a 70s song, but I'm running out of time. (laughs) He says, you maintain your peace by changing the atmosphere. Turn to somebody and say, you're in charge. You're in charge of the atmosphere around you. Uh, I remember, how many remember uh, Apostle Jim Davis? He used to tell Jeannie, his wife, he says, I'm large and in charge. Well, that's a good saying. I wouldn't tell my wife that. Because he used to call her a heifer. Hey, man, how do you get away with that? You little heifer. Anyway. Now, ladies, how many of you want your, wife, your husband's... I mean, I'm saying... I'm bad at hearing some people say, don't you ever say that to me or you're dead me. But he used to say, I'm large and in charge. Well, you need to have that attitude in the spirit. You're large and in charge. You feel the spirit of fear coming on. You feel the spirit of anxiety. I'm large and in charge. You, f- you feel anxiety coming on. You feel whatever you feel. You are large and in charge. And you take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, uh, faith in God and trust and confidence brings these type of results. So you're, you might be familiar with Mark eleven twenty two and 23 and 24. But anyway, he says this. In Mark eleven twenty, 20, uh, Jesus had cursed the fig tree and it had withered. And the next day, the disciples bring it to his, to his attention. And Jesus answered them and said, I have faith in God. Now, some of you might really be impressed with the disciples But you know, the disciples were a pain, pain in the rear, a pain in, (laughs) I wasn't going to say that. Uh, They were a pain in the side. They, you know, Jesus said, how long am I going to put up with you? Those are the, so if you're elevating the disciples, you are, you, you're missing it. You're probably more saintly than they were. Jesus said, how long do I have to put up with you? And this is towards the end of his ministry. But they got it. How many of you know they got it? And you know what turned the, do you know what turned the thing around? They came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. That was the shift. That's a whole sermon. But that was the shift that changed the whole atmosphere was them coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us to pray. So you might say, hey, I'm not a good prayer. Well, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me to pray. But he says, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, say, say. 
Whosoever, whosoever means anybody in this room. It's like whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that everybody can be saved? Why? Because it's whosoever. So whosoever shall say to this mountain, that's everybody in this room. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So part of your prayer life is just saying, having faith in God and having the mind of God. Now, some of this is just hearing what the Spirit is saying and repeating what he's saying. But I didn't have time to get into that. But he doesn't stop there. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Do you have a desire to see change in the nation? If you're the case, sarah, sarah, or if it's, or you're one of those that say, yeah, well, it must be God's will. It is not God's will. God is not the author of confusion. And he wants his people to stand up to confusion and start speaking peace in the name of Jesus. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray or when you say, believe, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. This is the key right here. And when you stand praying, forgive. You cannot be an unforgiver and have positive prayers. Why? Because if you are not a forgiver, you have opened the door to the satanic. If you are bitter and unforgiving and angry and hateful, you have opened the door for demonic attraction. But bless God, it doesn't take you 30 years to get rid of it. It doesn't even take 30 seconds to get rid of it. Thank you, Jesus. When you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither shall your heavenly Father Neither, neither shall your Father which is in heaven forgive you. Again, I want to say this. Demons are attracted to unforgiveness, to bitterness, and to hatred. Just a thought. Forgiveness requires corresponding actions. If you forgive somebody, you have to have corresponding actions. Matthew 4, uh, 5, verse 44. Therefore I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Love your enemies. That's an action. Bless those who curse you. Sounds like an enemy to me. What is my response then? My response is to love and to bless. That doesn't mean I'm not going to protect people. Just a thought. I'm going to protect people. 
But bless God, my speech and my prayer and my confession, I can go around and start speaking blessing and peace in my community and see it turned around. I believe that we can see our nation turned around. But we've got to take down some demonic principalities and powers. And I'm not saying you have to yell at the devil. Just start speaking blessings. Start speaking peace. Start, speak, start loving people. Thank you, Jesus. He goes on to say, See, I pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. He maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good. What's that saying? God is good to good people and God is good to evil people. So if you've got people that you don't want to pray for because they're evil, that's not the mind of God. And I have to admit, I get tempted sometimes to fight fire with fire. But there is a way that, and me personally, I'm thinking by by doing this, we are bringing down principalities and powers that are affecting people. Thank you, Jesus. He says, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he make the sun to rise on the just, On the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Rain is a blessing. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute, bless and curse not. Just a thought. Laying this foundation. So, I want to get uh, in closing... I want to just say this, that words release the activity of angels or demons. I just want to give you a couple of scriptures for this. So it says in Psalm 103, verse 20, that psalm is a great psalm because it talks about being forgiven of iniquity and also he heals all, all your diseases. But later on he says, Bless the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Now, some of you would say, well, yeah, they listen to God, but are they listening to me? They listen for his word. When you are going through the day, when you are speaking blessing, when you are speaking in your community, the words of God, the angels of God begin to work on your community. You are attracting angelic activity. Let's go the other way. He says in Luke chapter eleven eighteen. If say, uh, he says, if Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because, because you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Now, uh, Beelzebub uh, has been interpreted as Lord of the Flies. How many of you have ever been around flies? Or they've been around you? <laughs> If there's a lot of flies around you, but anyway. Lord of the flies. Flies are attracted to filth and death. It's getting quiet in here. 
flies are, so in other words, Jesus is saying that Satan, or they were accusing him of being Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. Those flies would be the demons. So what Jesus is saying here is that the enemy, Satan, is Beelzebub, and the demons are flies, and flies are attracted to filth and death. So... What am I saying to you? Uh, I, in, uh, I think it's in, um, well, it's in Proverbs. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you're either praying for angels to come, or you're praying for Beelzebub and his flies. To come around. I'm not praying. You are praying every word you say. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What do you do in a temple? You pray. So your your words. That's why he said in that one song. Let my words be few. But we can say. We can pray and say. And we can bring the favor of God. And we can destroy principalities and powers. By saying the words of God. And doing what. You don't have to be on your knees. You can be driving in the car. You can be saying them under your breath at work. You don't have to be loud and boisterous. You don't have to be loud and boisterous. You can speak a whisper. And God will hear you. God will hear you. Thank you, Jesus. So pray without ceasing. It's easy to do. Just say the word. Bless without ceasing. And do good without ceasing. You know, eventually, I'm going to tell you, this is also a way of evangelism. When you start speaking blessing over, over people and over family and over neighbors, and th- they will open the door for you. And when they open the door for you, that's when you can do good. You know, for, the, for those of you that are, uh, you know, you're just, oh, you know, how can I share the gospel? Well, first of all, start doing this. Start blessing them. Start, do- start doing good. Start speaking peace. And believe me, the door will open. You don't even have to say, then you do good. Once you do good, then they start asking you questions. I've seen this happen in my life over and over and over again. To where I didn't have to preach the gospel. I just did this stuff. And people would come to me and start asking me questions. When they start asking questions, they say, well, you know, how... How, how is this happening in your life? Well, let me tell you this, you know, I open my heart to Jesus and Jesus blesses me. And he wants to bless you too. Amen. Just a simple thing. You don't have to, you don't have to know the, the four spiritual laws. I still don't know the four spiritual laws, but I can get people saved. Hallelujah. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? Uh, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. <laughs> so don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> I might make you quote them for me. 
Thank you, Jesus. Did you get, did you get anything out of this? Yes. You know, and like I said in the beginning of the, of the meeting, I didn't forget you. <laughs> like I said in the beginning of the meeting, I just started speaking to my body. I still, to be honest with you, I've been doing this since 1979 or 1980. So well, I haven't, just do it now. Start where you are. This guy I told you about uh, that had the prostate problem, he just started doing it like a year ago. And his prostate came in line. Hallelujah. Sounds good to me. Uh, Tracy has a testimony that she wants to share. So Tracy, I'm going to ask you to come up. I don't know which one of those mics work. But after that, we're going to ask the healing team to come up. And if anybody, you know, would like prayer for healing or if you, uh, if you need prayer for anything, we're here to pray for you. Go ahead. Well, um, this, is, this is a season and a year for God to, is really doing miracles. And, you know, it's interesting because never before have I been attacked in my body like I have recently. And I hear that with other saints. But the, the neat part is, is, is as the enemy comes in with a mad rush, God comes in and supersedes it. And, and that's the awesome part. Um, so here's my question. How many people in here have ever experienced a kidney stone? I know Cheryl and Kyle have. Has anybody else experienced a kidney stone? Well, let me share with you. I don't want to either. <laughs> it is one of the most painful, agonizing things you go through, and it's and it can go on for some time, and um, because this stone has to pass through a very narrow area, going down into your bladder. I'm sharing this for a reason, and then going out through your your urethra, and so it's just not a pleasant thing. And gets very narrow at times. Well, I've I've had uh, several of them. I've had two miracles with it already. One where a stone just completely disappeared. I told, I kept telling the doctor my words. I kept saying, "I am not. Uh, this stone is going to disappear. It is disappearing." And he goes, "Okay." And 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 he came and he would check me periodically with x-rays and the one x-ray came back and it, it had gone and I said to him I told you and then I went away you know for a long time and then I got another one I'm like Lord enough is enough and Dr. Melody prayed for me one time when I was passing one in the midst of it and she said enough is enough in the name of Jesus you will pass and the pain will cease and literally guys as soon as she said that the pain ceased I went in the bathroom and it passed well now just this last time uh, I, I went a year ago, there was some in my uh, kidney that, or yeah, my kidneys that were, there was like five in one and six in the other, and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I need a miracle, and so they had to go and do lipotripsy, and some of them were like six millimeters and, and you know, seven and pretty large, and so they did this lipotripsy, and the lipotripsy, they got all of them but one, and so they got, he comes back, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And, and so it was a three millimeter. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. He said, well, it's not big enough for me to go in and uh, take it right now or to go in and, and, and uh, do lipotripsy. But he said, you're, it's big enough that you're going to fill it when it comes out. And he said, so let's just watch it. And so really, here's my choices. I go in for lipotripsy again, which isn't fun either. Or, uh, and it's expensive. Or I, I have to pass it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God enough is enough. And I continue to speak to my body every day. And I say, God, I'm just believing you. I'm trusting you to pass this or to just dissipate, you know, that it just dissipates. And long story short, 
I started having some of these symptoms where uh, my I just felt so much uh, uh, like so much um, discomfort in my bladder, like a urinary tract infection. And it kept going on, and I thought, and and so Jody had done some tests on me, and uh, she does my blood tests different time or throughout the year, and then uh, she did a urine test. She came out, she says, Tracy, you know, did you feel like you have a bladder infection because there's white blood cells in your urine? So at first I didn't, then later I did. Anyhow, long story short, she does it again. She follows up, and now there's blood, there's red blood cells, or there's what red cells and white cells in my urine. And she said, wow, I'm a little confused. And so she tried it again, and then there was nothing. And so she was reaching out to the urologist to check his what he thought. So again, I'm feeling very uncomfortable at times. Uh, not pain, but just, blah, you know, I felt kind of nauseous. Um, and I, I felt uh, really like, what is going on? And so it felt like it kept going down further, but I didn't think it was a kidney stone, and especially not the three millimeter, because that's pretty big. I would have severe pain in, in my, my back, and it takes you down to your knees if that was the case, and I didn't have that. And it's because uh, when it goes through your, your track, um, it literally shoots the urine back up into your kidneys and creates like a thrust in your kidneys that is really a lot of pressure. Again, I'm sharing it for a reason. So anyhow, I, um, I continue to have this, and it's gone for like a month off and on, and I'm thinking, what is going on? So the other day... Uh, I'm having it really low, and I'm thinking it's, it's really kind of like needly, like really sharp, and I'm thinking, what is, what is with this? So I went into the bathroom, and I could feel something going through my urethra and sharp like a knife, and I looked in the commode, and sure enough, there was this stone, and it was big enough to see it at the bottom of the commode. Someone said, did you reach it and get it? I'm like, yeah, right. So I could see it at the bottom of the commode, and, it, and so I thought, oh, Jesus, Jesus, is this, was this the stone? And so I went, I told Jody, and they sent me for x-rays. Long story short again, it came back that that was the three millimeter that passed, and there's nothing more in my kidneys. And I'm like, oh, my word, and the lady's name's Dory. And I said, Dory, she was at the urologist, she's the MA, and I said to her, Dory, would you not agree with me? that in order for me to pass a three millimeter, that that would have to be pretty intense pain. And she said, yeah, Tracy, I have to agree with you on that. So would you say it's a miracle that I didn't? She said, yes. I said, Dory, I don't know if you believe in prayer. She said, I do. I said, well, this was a miracle because I've had people praying for me. And so just ending it, um, just recently, our team prayed for me uh, the Sunday, and it was Tuesday that I passed it. So God is awesome, and I just want to glorify him. And such a good message today is so true. You can put it down. So uh, I'm going to ask the healing team to come up. And um, if you have a need for healing, just come on up. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity, Lord God, to bring change and transformation. Lord, not only in our personal lives, but, Father God, in the lives of our families, our homes, our communities, and Lord God, even our nation. Lord God, we decree, Lord, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in the United States in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, we just speak peace. Lord God, we speak right now the peace of God that passes all understanding and a move of the Holy Spirit to sweep this nation in Jesus' name.